Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 274. Coming to you live from Comac, New York, and Newtown, Pennsylvania. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro, the aforementioned Sam Pete. And this is our New York Sports Talk Podcast. This is episode number 274. Established in December of 2009, we are back for another week. Talking about New York sports and whatever else comes to mind. Hi, thanks for joining us. It is February the 8th. It is 10 p.m. It's time for Ready to Unload with Callan St. Pete. What does Ready to Unload mean? It means we're going to have a conversation about sports. But it's not, you know, it might get passionate at times, but nobody's going to act like a jerk. That's the bottom line. Nobody's going to act like a jerk. That should be our new motto. That's our new tagline. Nobody's going to act like a jerk. Because uh, it's pretty prevalent in sports talk. Radio, at least. Sports Talk podcasts have come a long, long way. But Sports Talk Radio, a lot of jerks, I feel like. A lot of jerks. A lot of jerky type people. So anyway, um, welcome to the program. We have a ton to talk about. We're going to talk about the football season up in the A block, wrap up the Super Bowl, send the Jets and the Giants into the offseason. It's going to be very, very cool. Talk about our Super Bowl Sundays, our experiences that were very different this year, very unique. Uh, and then in the B block, we're going to talk about the New York Islanders. Holy smokes. There have been some bad losses over the last few years. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk about uh, Garth Snow speaking to the media yesterday and how that went. Um, it went, as usual, not great. And this team with 27 games left on the outside looking into the playoffs. Can they make it? Will they make it? Will they make a deal? Is Garth Snow going to do anything resembling anything? Probably not. And uh, then in the C block, if we get to it, the AKA apologies to Lindsey Buckingham block, uh, we're going to talk about the GMs and the owners. We started this conversation last week about uh, how in New York, the, with the six teams, there are three varsity and three JV. Yankees, Rangers, and Giants, New York football Giants being the varsity. And the Jets, the Mets, and the Islanders, sort of the JV and sort of acting like it often. And um, uh, in terms of accountability and the Rangers done did something today that we talked about last week, issuing a statement saying, hey, look, we suck. We're going to start selling. We're telling you now in advance. So we're going to talk about that a little bit for sure. And a whole bunch of other stuff. So let's get right to it and introduced, uh, introduced. There he is. The co-host of the program. The yin to my yang, the bumper on my bumper car, in case I go off the rails. Mr. Brian Calneva Calcino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. How are you, buddy? I'm I'm good. I'm good. How are yeah. you? I'm I'm not great. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> Negatory, good buddy. Negatory. 
No, I'm a little concerned. Do you do you think that when I say negatory good buddy, which I say a lot, do you think anybody gets the reference? Do you get the reference? <sighs> I if if you put a gun to my head, I I don't know if I could. Why would I put it. a gun to your head? <laughs> That's what they do. I feel like we're friends. Gun to I'm my not head. Giving you, I'm not giving you truth serum, and I'm not putting a gun to your head. You're not we don't do that on with. Uh... <laughs> we don't do that on this show. I don't know if you heard. No, I, I didn't get that memo. No, what is? Can you refresh me, please? That is from "So I Married an Axe Murderer" when they are fighting over the bill, and Vincent Lapaglia. Vincent Lapaglia? No, Anthony Lapaglia. Anthony. Is insisting that they're fighting over the bill, and and Mike Myers is going negative, negatory, negatory, good buddy, negatory. That's what that is from. So hey, ask, listen, me that like, ask me that question. Ask me that question again. Uh, what was it? Do you get the reference? No. Do you think anybody gets the reference? Do you think anybody gets the reference? No. Not <laughs> not not one person would get that reference. Not unless Mike Myers is listening. I don't even think he'd get that reference. <laughs> he loves the hockey talk. He does. Um, what's that about? Um, no, um, I think we should tell the people, too, that uh, we're going to start talking about the New York sports. We're going to jump right in. But one of the things that we find helpful, uh, Cal's got a big thing of water, right? Or is that seltzer? No, it's water. Okay. How much water are we, are we putting down a day now? Well, this is 20 ounces. So right. I try to drink five of these. Two weeks out from your birthday? Two weeks from your birthday? Yeah, what does that have to do with water? I'm saying, are you trying to drink a lot of water, do the healthy fit thing? A For couple of years ago you did that. You, yeah. Oh, is that a, yeah, that is a thing where you try to drink a lot of water for your birthday two weeks no. in advance. <laughs> it's, uh, in Europe. It's very European. Right. I'm going to spend my birthday in the desert. So I have to make sure that I have enough water in my system. That's right. No, I'm saying uh, you, you always hit your birthday first. And in the past, you've tried to make efforts to uh, maybe shape up the organization, organization a little bit. Yeah, not, not this year. Not this year. It's not, it's not happening. <laughs> Once you hit a certain age, it's sort of like, you know, they all blend together. Yeah, you're nine months older than me. So no. what, what age is that exactly? That's not your, true. Strike yeah, that. Reverse months. it. No. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. You're four months older than me. Yeah, three. Three and a half. Three and Not change. even three. Actually, two and a half, if you want to be technical. Two, that's right. <laughs> In any case, it was my understanding that people math. On, on, uh, <laughs> this is right. Or card sharks. It was card sharks. Card sharks. We're going to go higher. We're going to put it all lower. We're going to freeze. Oh, I loved card sharks. What a simple concept, a t- is, but it was great. Amazing concept. Is that a top tenner for you? Well, give me, give me, give me fi- a quick top five. Give me a quick top five. Quick top five game shows? From that era, though. From that era. Oh, geez. Joker's Wild. Card Sharks. Bing. Boom. Tic-tac-doe. Bang. Press your luck. Boom. And you know what else I liked? And the mic drop. Because... It's odd because I'm not uh, a 68-year-old woman, but I love Sale of the Century. Sale of the Century. I was, that's what I was going to throw in. <laughs> I have basically the top five. I think the only one I would swap out is I, I loved – we've talked about it. I loved Family Feud. I loved Family Feud. 
That was great. The original, the Dawson, right? The Dawsonian era. That's correct. Right. That's right. Right. That's the only one that counts. Not Steve Richard, Harvey. Rich, not Steve Harvey. Richard Dawson kissing everybody. My grandmother loved him. We've talked about it. And he was British. He was British. Richard Dawson was British? <laughs> yes. Yes. He was somehow British. Wow. By the way, this is really playing well with our um, 18 to 25-year-old demo. Jumping right into New York sports, talking about yeah. 80s game shows. Talking about a late 70s, early 80s game show and an obscure game show host named Richard Dawson. Look him up. He wasn't obscure to us. That's, that's correct. Um, fantastic. So I, what I was going to say was, uh, pour yourself a glass. If you're listening live, pour yourself a glass of wine. Maybe I have a, both a cup of coffee and a glass of wine. Because I'm double down. Okay. Yeah. I'm drinking about, um, I go about 60 to 75 ounces of water a day now, though. That's good. Got myself a Yeti. Fill that it, bad boy up two and a half times. It sounds like it's easy to do, and it is not. I have to flavor the water. I use like the Dasani or, you know, like one of those like water flavor things. I cannot drink straight water. What about when you're playing hockey? It's a great question. I've been mixing it up. So sometimes I use the <laughs> I use the Dasani with the electrolytes. Oh. Right. So they have like a they have like Dasani that has like caffeine in it. So sometimes yeah. I'll use that for hockey. But then a lot of times I'll just use regular water because I'll need to spray it on my face or in my hair. Right. I hope you don't get those confused. Yes. There's been I've done it once or twice. Right. Um so, hey, you know, pour yourself a beverage and let's talk about New York sports, buddy. We got a lot to talk about. God, I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just staggering. It's just, I can't and it's, even. And it's funny because somebody, I forget, I heard this somewhere today or within the mm-hmm. last couple of days on the radio. At the market? At the market, around the town. Yeah. <laughs> At the water cooler? At the water cooler specifically. That February is usually the slowest month, yet for some reason right now there seems to be a lot to talk about. And I'm a, and I'm a disaster. It's the slowest month. I'm a disaster. You are – it's way too early for you to be a disaster. I am an unmitigated – we've talked about mitigated disasters, which never seems yeah. to happen. All disasters <laughs> seem to be unmitigated. Like, wow, that, that disaster was really mitigated. Wasn't it was as bad really, as it could have been. <laughs> really well handled, I feel like. Um, Good job, everyone. I, I am. I'm, I'm, I, we've talked about this. I'm through the looking glass here, people. I really am. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. I think, Let this, me, um, I think this will help you, though. You think talking it out tonight after that Islanders 4-3 to loss to the Sabres, one of the worst losses ever, and when they miss the playoffs by one point, we will look back to this night? Mm-hmm. That's this yep. is going to help me. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. All right. Let's segue. Here's what I think happened. I think you killed her, and I think I'm going to find it out. And I just took off my sunglasses really fast. Yeah, you did. Like really aggressively took off my sunglasses. I just dropped my groceries and ran. <laughs> you caught me as I was coming back to my apartment. Right. 
I wasn't expecting you there. Making dinner for two? <laughs> Better. <laughs> Plans changed. Plans. <laughs> and now Rip we're running. Sunglasses. Now we're running through the corridors of the apartment complex. Correct. Don't make me do it! <laughs> I love how this chase is in. First of all, this is the segue music to, you know, getting into the sports talk. But it's also a chase from either 1978, 1988, 1998. It could really be on a procedural. Timeless. It is a timeless piece of music that PJ wrote. All right, that's enough of that nonsense. Okay, uh, so let's get into it. Ready to unload with Council and Pete? Let's get into it. We're going to start in the A block, Cal. I figure we'll put football here because i got to put some distance between me and the Islanders right now. Yeah, it's a good idea. And it's a good time now <laughs> to just sort of wrap it up, football, because we're not going to talk gotta, football until next week. That's right. <laughs> until well, every week because the right. offseason lasts almost 15 minutes in the NFL. I want to do this uh, in two parts. I have one question in 27 parts. The answer is four. Um, I, I want to do this in two parts. I want to do the actual game itself and then taking the, um, the Jets and the, and the Giants into the offseason and the Patriots um, because there, there's intrigue galore with them. But I want to talk about the game in specific first. And then I also want to talk about your game day experience. Almost get equally kick. important as the game. Yeah, well, for us. This for is us. where, after 274 shows, this is part and parcel. Listen, if you want the X's and O's breakdown, you know, you got the wrong podcast. I mean, we could do go it. Turn on the Jets. Go, go, to, go over to talk to Joe Caparoso. He does a magnificent job. Connor <laughs> Rogers is your man. job. Yep, he does. Your podcast is, is great. I listen to oh, no. it's it's terrific, and they don't need us to plug them. But they're, they're you know doing what's going to be, you know what's going to be great is when uh, Dalvin is actually running for office. Yeah, and um, and towards you know when we get into October, November, when we're doing the show, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna be supporting our first political candidate on RTU. Well, I would expect that he'll buy time as as appropriate. That's, that's right. He absolutely right. will. We will make him. We'll, we'll give equal time to his opponent. <laughs> he has nine opponents, by the way. This is going to be a really we long show. We should do like a town hall on our town hall. Yep. Right. Yeah. But they have to talk about Jets football. That's, that's right. The, All the political <laughs> opponents. <laughs> right. The debate has to be about Jets football. No, we're it's super proud of Dalvin, though. Yeah. Right. Super proud of him. He's he's uh, it's it's really a cool thing that he's doing. But anyway, uh, turn on the Jets if you want the X's and O's. Go talk to those guys. We're gonna break down the game a little bit. Unbelievable game. I mean, I'm not Tremendous breaking game. any ground here. Spoiler alert. Unbelievable game. We had talked about last week quickly. We had talked about the idea that the way you beat the Patriots is you make plays in the fourth quarter, right? You're not afraid to go for it, and you make plays in the fourth quarter. And they're usually you got to make offensive plays in the fourth in the fourth quarter, right? This was to me, Cal, shocking. Like we were texting throughout the game. I was explaining to my poor son, Wesley, who was rooting for the, uh, the Eagles so hard that, you know, and, and getting all excited when they were up 10 points. And I'm like, buddy, it's the Patriots. Like I had to give him an oral history of how they've destroyed his father <laughs> as a Jets fan over the last 17 years. You know, I actually did it like the ringer, though. So I did it in oral history. Like I wrote it out for him, yes. made him read it and stuff. Yeah, I did it at halftime. 
At what um, point did he say, Dad, I just want to watch the game? Yeah, right. Like, come on. Dad, I didn't need 3,500 words on uh, – <laughs> so it's always, though, been an offensive play. This was the first time – now, they kept going for it in the fourth quarter, but the strip sack is the first time it was a defensive play against Brady. That's true. That won the game. That was the difference in the game because if they don't get that strip sack, there is no doubt that Tom Brady marches down the field and wins the game. There's no doubt. Like zero. Right? No. Yeah, I mean, he had two and a half minutes left. And two, two timeouts. Two timeouts. That means that might as well never give him the happens. entire quarter. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he needed a touchdown. <laughs> and he needed a touchdown. Because they were up by five at the time. Correct. But still no doubt. Unbelievable. Like, that was the first time a defense – I should say that's the first time in, their, in a loss for them. In this run, yeah. A defense against them stepped up and made a play. And yeah. won the game. I mean, they, they won the game. That play I, I won just, the uh, it, it, it was unbelievable to me that that was actually happening. That was the most shocking thing I've seen in a football game in forever. Tom Brady never fumbles the friggin' ball there. Ever. Nope. Ever. I, I Shocked is not a big enough word. Not big enough. Although, when the Eagles kicked that field goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yet, I didn't, oh, I didn't, I didn't need to finish. Oh, like, yeah. just sort of like, and yeah, when the Eagles kicked yeah. that field goal, dot, dot, dot. Right. No, well, I, you, thought like, that, you thought that they should have passed on that third down. Well. That was when, after the strip sack, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they, when they had third down um, in Patriots territory and the Patriots had run out of timeouts, I thought for sure he was going to pass because that's how he played the whole game. He was a gr- super aggressive the entire game, and he did everything sort of against what you would expect a team. You know, when you have a team in the, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, they come out intimidated, they play conservatively, they play not to lose. That's exactly what Atlanta did last year. So right. I, thought, I thought for sure on third down he was going to continue doing what he was doing and throw the ball. Now, that's not the, the smart thing to do. The smart thing to do is to run. But right. But he, yeah, I didn't. He, I he, I wasn't gonna. I couldn't kill him there. No, no, I didn't kill him. I just I was surprised. Well, you were worried about the field goal kicker too. That was a that's a big part of that for you. That concerned me because he had missed a he had missed a field goal earlier. And he's a um, rookie field goal kicker, and you know, in the I biggest that, spot ever. I think that definitely played into the drive before that when the Eagles wound up scoring the touchdown. I think there was no way they were going to put the ball on his leg to give them a lead. Right. I thought they were, they were shooting for a touchdown the whole way. Absolutely. And that was shooting again, for a like, touchdown, like I've never watched football before. <laughs> they were shooting for a touchdown to make the play. Right. Was that what they were, they wearing their football skates or yeah. In the they, sport ball. I love sport ball. Like, sport ball. No, but they, they, they absolutely, it was touchdown a bus there because they, he yep. knew he, Peterson coached that whole game knowing that here's how you beat them. 
Right. You know, here's you, – you can't – but that was the one time where and, – and shit, they almost came down and threw a Hail Mary. I mean, <laughs> they had no time. They had a minute. They were at their own eight-yard line. And he somehow got – and he took a sack on first down or something like that, And it was, right? four, it was fourth down. Fourth and ten. Like the game, that was it. That was the game. And the next thing right. you knew, he was throwing a Hail Mary into the end zone to try to win the right. Super Bowl. And, he, and it could have been caught. It could have been. It was close. Very, very similar to the Giants Super Bowl, right? Right, right. Did you think that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the, the, the big difference was the defense in the Giants Super Bowl was amazing. It was fantastic. But the offense made the big play. That's right. The Tyree catch and then the touchdown to Burris. Uh, and, and they protected a lead for their, and they hung on for their dear life. A lead that was given to them late. Yeah. You know, it, it, if, if in the Giants Super Bowl, Tom Brady had two and a half minutes and two timeouts, big difference. You know what well, I mean? the they, gave Brady, they gave Brady the ball back, what, with like a minute 15 in that, in that Super Bowl after the Burris touchdown, right? Yeah, it was just over a minute, I think. Yeah. But but what was crazy about this one is he makes the play at the end, but their defense wasn't really great all game. No. And there was the vaunted Eagles defense, and that was what was going to win them the game was their defense. Yeah, 500 yards passing. And it was crazy. They didn't punt. No punts. And they right? had one turnover at the end of the game. Yep. And that was the first sack they gave up all day. And they lost. I mean, they I had, what, like 600 yards of offense. It was amazing because the, the Patriots don't make the mistakes in that game. No, but they were right? – we're going to get to that. They were out of sorts, Cal. They, they, they called the timeout early, which cost them. Yep. From Malcolm right? Butler on, they were out of sorts. Yeah, weird. A weird Super Bowl appearance for them. And you yep. wonder – I mean, I, I, I have a hard time questioning their preparation – because they've been there a million times, and Belichick knows how to get them ready, but was there something hanging over them that sort of distracted them? Well, we can get to the, the Malcolm Butler oddity and then Josh McDaniel pulling out of the job, and, and really Belichick's hubris of basically I can win without Malcolm Butler, you know, um, really costing them. I, 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 I hate the idea of it cost him the game. I, I don't agree with that at all. Do we know what he did? No. And he denies know, right? doing anything. He denies, like, any of the rumors that came out about him, you know, smoking weed or being at a party or whatever. He's denied all of it. He says right. he doesn't know what he did. And wow. he was told 10 minutes before game time the team was going in a different direction for the game, game plan-wise. That's why he was crying during the National Anthem. Right. Well, that's his story, and you haven't heard anything from the other side. So. And you won't. You won't. And you won't. No. Case closed. But there's, there's people in New England, there are Patriot fans that I'm hearing from aplenty that are pissed. Like Dan Shaughnessy was on with, um, with uh, I forget who it was, maybe on NFL radio or something like that. And he was saying that he's not skating on this one. Who's not? Uh, Belichick? Belichick, yeah. And given all the 
the stuff with Brady and, and the trainer and Belichick and Kraft and trading Jimmy G and, you know, they're not happy with Belichick right now. If, if it goes down to a cow, who do you think they favor in that town? Brady. Yeah, they'll, they'll cut Belichick no loose doubt. in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. Yep. And, mean, and meanwhile, if you ask me, it's Belichick. I mean, it's the two of them. It is. It's it the is. two of them. He never, he, Belichick never did it without Brady. He, he, did he? Has won, he won Super Bowls as a coordinator and right. as an assistant head coach. Right. Not, I know, never, not the main guy. I know, I know. But it's not like he was garbage before. Like, no, of course not. But when you're doing it, when you're winning Super Bowls with Bill Parcells, you know, right. you, it's this is Bel- I mean, Belichick running the show has never done it without Brady. Now, I don't right. know if he can do it without Brady. I don't know if he would have done it without Brady. I tend to think he would have won a Super Bowl or two along the way with a different quarterback. I absolutely think he would have. You know, he's a genius. I mean, how many years? How many years was he in Cleveland? Three years? Five. In it. Was it five? And his best season was 11 and a five in the playoffs. Yeah. With, with the Patriots. Garbage. I mean, with a, you know, with a garbage – right, and then he beat Parcells in the playoffs, right? Yeah. But with a garbage team. I mean, with not a great team. No. I, no, but he was – but but I don't think he had a winning season any of the other four seasons. If you put – if you keep Drew Bledsoe there instead of Brady, I bet you he gets to a Super Bowl in those first five years. I bet you he does. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He's just – he's, he's – we were talking about this, and I want to get your uh, your opinion on this, Cal. I was talking about this with a buddy of mine yesterday. The idea of Belichick as the pretty much the only coach, head coach in the NFL, who's adaptable. So, like, so many of the like the the, the biggest flaw or the biggest. Um, Shortcoming spot. Yeah, shortcoming. Thank you. For for so many NFL coaches is rigidity within their system and not fitting the players into this into the system. You know, forcing the system on the players that they have. And also, even if they're there for a little while, not recognizing how to keep the right players in their system. And then if it's not working, being able to scrap it on the fly. Mm-hmm. And and start over. None of them can do it. Like Rex Ryan, terrible at that, right? Like I'll just use Rex for an example because we saw him in New York for six years and he had tremendous success early on, and he couldn't sustain it because he couldn't find the right players to fit in his system. And then the players that he had, he was so friggin' rigid with how they were going to play, and he, there's no adaptability, whether it's in a season, as a GM, as a head coach, or in game. Like these get these get, like Belichick will change in game. He'll change between quarters. Yeah, no, he's definitely the best at it. He's not the only one that can do it, but he's he's the best. He's the gold standard of being flexible. Right, and don't you feel like though too? He's he's I don't know of many others that accept it the way he does. Like football coaches are so friggin' head coaches are you have to be to get in that position. Like you're right. so friggin' headstrong. Yeah. And so many of these guys are like, they, they can't see, 
they won't change something that's not working in front of their face. And I just think he does, and I just don't think he cares. No, you know, well, like look, he went and he sat Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl. He doesn't care. Right. But that story in the Two Bills documentary, which was brilliant, right? It was very tough to watch as a Jet fan. Very tough. Made me very angry. <laughs> it did. It made me very angry because so many happenstance things. They were a day away from Dom Capers being the coach of the Patriots. Yeah. A day away. 24 hours. Regardless of Belichick resigning as the HC of the NYJ, right. they were a day away from Dom Capers getting that job. And maybe none of this ever happens. Like 18 years of dominance. Well I, well, I wonder if they really were a day away. If not, like, I think they were waiting on Belichick. And they wouldn't right. have hired Capers if they knew Belichick was coming. But, but, but Parcells releasing him... 24 hours before they were like, they were getting to the point where training, like the draft was going to start. Yeah. Like but, the free but what agency I'm, period in the draft, like they had to put a coach in place. Right. What I'm saying is I think that they were in contact with Parcells and Capers was the contingency, but as long as Parcells was going to release Belichick, it was never going to, they were never going to hire Capers. But they, but I, the way I heard it was Kraft was saying we hadn't heard from them. Right. And we hadn't heard from Parcells that he was going to release him. So we had no idea if he was going to release him. And we were prepared to hire Dom Capers because we had to get on with the season. Now, I think that that would have been, unless Dom Capers went 12-4 and four and won a Super Bowl, I think that would have, been, would have been one year and they, would have, and they would have gotten Belichick anyway. But regardless, you're watching the two Bills and you're listening to Parcells talk about like using the, you know, the dime on first down against – or, or going to man on, uh, on, on Joe Montana on first down because they'll eat us alive. And, you know, and, and like, he just doesn't care. Like he, he will scrap his entire defense and do something entirely different to stop you. He doesn't care. Right. Rex Ryan was never scrapping his defense. He was going to game plan and figure out a way to beat you. And he may, you know, come up with exotic blitz schemes and he may, you know, the one down lineman and the five guys and you don't know who's blitzing. Those are all exotic. He's not changing his game. He's not changing his defense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. He just... That's how Schottenheimer was, too, as an offensive coordinator. He was his system. He That's was right. the genius. He built it. Now you have to you, – I'm going to force you into my plan. Regardless of what your strengths and weaknesses are, my plan That's is right. going to work, and you have to fit into it. Yep. Right? I, I devised a good game plan. Sanchez just didn't execute it. The other, the other thing is that Belichick has the personnel to be flexible, too. His guys are okay with changing on the fly, you know? They have the ability have to, to do that, right? But because he picks the personnel. Yep. He's only going to bring guys in that can do that. They have to be or they're gone. That's it. Or they're gone. You know, I, I, they're just such a fascinating team to me. As, as much as I hate them, they're a fascinating team. And, and they were underprepared, it seemed to me, I mean, it's tough to say that when they had 650 yards offense, but their defense was abysmal. Abysmal. Yeah, see, on defense, I don't think they were underprepared. I think that they were caught off guard by Peterson's game plan because they never expected him to come out so aggressive and then stay aggressive the entire game. But have they not watched film of Peterson all year? He didn't change his stripes. He's been this coach all year. 
doesn't matter. When you get into the Super Bowl against the Patriots, there's an aura there and a, a, a second-year head coach, Belichick, right. bet that he was not going to have the balls to do that. Right. But I think the fascinating thing is, among the fascinating things, is that Belichick has often in the Super Bowl, Cal, and we've seen this, and Francesa has talked about this. They talked about it in the two bills. Like he's so good at making adjustments on the fly that he will like that first drive for the Eagles. He will let them do what they want to do. I mean, he's not trying to let them score, but he'll maybe run a very vanilla defense or yeah. he'll run like he'll run like nickel at them on every down just to see what, and if they score, they score. He doesn't care. Right. He wants to see what they're going to bring against the, particular packages on a on the first drive yep so we like yeah throw our nickel in there on first down let's see what they do you know like the first drive the first two drives are almost like a lab experiment and he's so good he can adjust on the fly he wants to see what you're gonna do yeah you know but i also think that that the malcolm butler thing is a is a big deal in terms of the team yes and then why why do you dress him cal if he's not gonna play but one snap on special teams, why dress him? You wasted a roster spot. I mean, was he thinking that maybe, like, he would make him pay for two quarters and then bring him in at halftime? Well, you dress him. And he him didn't like the way he reacted, maybe? You dress him because Peterson doesn't know he's not going to play. So you right. keep him there the whole time. Right. And you have to you give your inactives, like, six hours before the game, right? Right. Right. So he was active to play. He just didn't play. They just So you're you're giving away that right, right, right. Giving right. away a spot. Yeah, that's true. Guys at that point. So again, like it's the it's the hubris is unbelievable. Like he'd rather play with forty four guys than <laughs> yeah. give away, you know, than 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 dress a player that maybe could contribute. Unless unless something happened late yeah. that was so egregious. That's the right. Part that Belichick, he he had to bench him. This is I think these are the rules. I think he planned to play him too. I think something happened late that yeah. changed his mind, and it had to be, it had to be something serious enough for him to 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 sit him. I think Simmons has uh, this past week on his pod had my favorite, you know, theory. They're not conspiracy theories. I mean, something happened. You know, and everybody's theorizing and we'll never know, you know. So you can throw the word conspiracy out. It's not like it's it was secret or whatever. Something happened. But his theory was he planned to sit him for a quarter to punish him for something he had done during the week. And he told him 10 minutes before game time. And something happened or was said or done that made him bench him for the game. I'll buy that. And that was the shift, you know, well, whether, you know, Butler told him to go F himself or something, or he did it in front of the team or something. Right. Monumental 15 minutes before game time. When they told him, they didn't tell him he was going to sit until right up until game time. They tell him he freaks out. Who knows what went on in that locker room? And Belichick says, you know what? It's the whole game. I'm not playing on the whole game. It's ah, you never. This never happens with the Patriots, and it certainly never happens in the Super Bowl. 
Do you right. remember everybody? Everybody forgot about this. Well, not everybody forgot about this. I'm, plenty of people remembered it. I remember that th- this this week. I was I was thinking of this. Um, the, the Jet Patriot game when the Jets beat them in the divisional playoffs in 2010. Wes Welker was benched for the first quarter of that game. Yes. Do you remember why? Oh, did did he did he mouth off to somebody? He made a comment about Rex Ryan with the feet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it was. Yep. He said something about Rex Ryan's wife. Oh, on the on a radio show. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he benched him for a quarter in that game. I think he only missed like one drive, but still, he benched his, you know, guy who had 110 catches or whatever the hell he had that year. He'll Mm -hmm. do it, and I think he was going to do the same thing with Butler. And I think something went on when he told him he wasn't going to play. Could, could I, be. I mean, just – but that's not the reason the Eagles won the game. It's not. No. So I got I to gotta ask you this because it happened to the Jets like four times this season. Did they literally just decide to change the catch rule like in the Super Bowl? Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. That – you know, it was so fitting that there was controversy all the way down right. to the Super Bowl where they, like, for a good three minutes, I thought they were going to ruin the Super Bowl. Right. I think the whole world was watching and afraid that they were going to ruin the Super Bowl. Can we agree that those were both catches and we touchdowns? Can agree, we can agree that they were both catches but if you go by the rule that they've been following all year loosely, I thought the first oh. one they got wrong. Hold on, loosely. You think the Clement one they got wrong? Yeah, I think he, it, you know, especially when you think about Austin Safarian Jenkins and shifting the ball in his arm and he didn't have control yeah. and that, you know, he, he, the first step that he took, he had the ball in one place. And then the second step that he took, he shifted it. So that starts the two feet. So then the third step that he took, he was out. See, I thought the third step, he was out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah, he was. But they called it a touchdown. Right. But I'm saying I I didn't have as big a problem with the shifting of the ball. Because the first step to me didn't count. He clearly hadn't secured the ball yet. Right. So that was the shift. The first step, he had the ball in one spot, and then the second step right. is when he shifted the ball and controlled it. That's what I'm saying. Like, he had control so that, of the ball to me. It's just exactly. he stepped out of bounds when he had it. Exactly. His right. foot was right on the white when he had it. Yeah. Like, that shouldn't have been overturned to me because of non-control. That should have been con- overturned to me because he didn't, he, he didn't get two feet in while he had and I think that Well, I, I thought that that's what the, rule, the ruling was. Because he didn't have control of it, and then when he finally did have control of it, the second foot was out of bounds. Right. See, I think the second one – hold on. For some reason, hold on loosely just jumped in my head because you said loosely. Oh, I hate that song. Boy, do I dislike that song. Who is that? Hold on loosely. 38 Special. Oh, come Why on. Why do you hate that song? I just don't care for it. I don't know. I don't have a great reason. I should have a better reason. This is yeah. this is like with Bob Seger. We got into this a couple of weeks ago <laughs> with a buddy of mine at work about Bob Seger. I, I don't like Bob Seger. I, I can't stand him. 
I can't stand any song. Any song. And he was like, come on, you know. He named like three Bob Seger songs. And, and he's like, you, you got to at least like those. I'm like, I don't. He's like, well, why? I'm like, don't have a reason. Probably. Don't like I guess I, I guess I should. Don't care for him. The sound of his music? Could, his personality? His, his politics? Uh, I don't know what it is. Well, <laughs> Does he even have politics? Bob is he even Seger? alive? Bob Seger's alive. Is he? Does he? Is he politically active, or was he politically active? I, I, I'm jo- I'm joking. It's it's not his politics. It's it's I, I it's not even that I dislike his voice that much. I just hate it. It comes on, and I'm like, get it? It's it's an automatic turnoff. Okay. Automatic. Do you have any? Give me your top yeah. three auto. Top three automatic turnoffs. Just off the top. Oh, of your head. Steely Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Somewhere PJ's at work listening to this and screaming, <laughs> just screaming. <laughs> this just, is the I, week that I'm off. <laughs> He's gonna come back next week with a whole list. It's a 30 minute oh, segment. Forget about it. It's gonna be it, it's gonna be a, an hour and 40 minute fun load followed by 20 minutes of sports about 38 <laughs> special Bob Seger and Steely Dan. Oh, oh, what other one? Steely Dan's the first one that comes to mind. Um, that's auto, that's automatic. Yeah. As the, pointer sisters, never... as the Pointer Sisters would say, that's automatic. I just... Automatic. No need to control it, Cal. There's no need. The Pointer Sisters. Is that an automatic turnoff for you? No, it's not. Did they um, ever do a Super Bowl? I know we did this on a show like 100 years ago. Yeah, they, I'm they, looking it up. I'm sure sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, the Pointer Sisters were in the Super Bowl. All, all time, the 10 worst all-time choices for Super Bowl halftime. Fantastic. All right, give me, so give me your turnoffs, and then we'll get to this. I know. I'm trying to there's, – there are, there are more, and, and when you put, you know, put me on the spot, I can't think. It'll come to me. I'm going to throw out a, a magnificent one for me. It's a it's – a, it's a no-brainer. Chili peppers. Really? Oh, I just, I can't have it. Okay. I'm so tired. There's one song that stays on. One song. I'll Maybe. Buy it. Breaking the Girl. I like mm-hmm. that song. I hate them. I really do. I really just, they stink on ice. They're not good. Wow. Okay. The Pointer Sisters, are they an automatic turnoff? Did the Pointer Sisters... I mean, this is Typing is great podcasting. It's good. Well, they, at least you, everybody knows what you're doing. I, I would say Steely Dan is a pretty much automatic turnoff for me as, as well. Yeah, and, I, don't, and I, I, can't, I can't put my finger on that one either. It's like you're Bob Seger. I just I don't understand it, maybe. Right. I'm I don't not know. seeing them at the Super Bowl. The Pointer wow. Sisters, they had to have been there. Uh, there is, oh, why? There is somebody that I'm. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't. They did. Diana Ross, New Kids on the Block, and Sync. Gloria Stefan. Gloria Stefan again. These are the top ten worst. <laughs> oh, Enrique worst? Iglesias, John Goodman. Oh, Christina Aguilera. Really? Tur- like, cannot I? I hate her. Can't do Spit it fast her. enough. Yep. Wow. We should explain that later, by the way. 
Yes. No, it's in this climate. In this climate, it's not. We can't. Oh yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Can't just. I'll never be. Can't. I'll never be in a position to actually spit on her. Yeah, but, but I mean, again, in this climate, we should really explain that. Um. Okay. <laughs> where were we? Um. Hold on loosely. The second one, the second touchdown with Ertz, I thought was way more the Austin Safarian Jenkins one, where they're claiming that he wasn't a runner yet. Right. He still hasn't controlled the ball. Well, and completed the catch before he reaches for the pylon. That was the Safarian Jenkins one against the Patriots. That's right. But it was called a touchdown on the field. I agreed with that call. I thought he was a runner. I thought he had yeah, taken was, two steps and, and, and become a runner. Yeah. Before he reached out for the goal line. They have got to change that rule. Holy smokes. They have got to change that rule. It is. It's an abomination. It's ridiculous. They it's said no different. It. It's just, well, they changed it in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they just decided to like, hey, you know what? You guys are right. Our bad. Well, what did, well, what did they change? In the Super Bowl. That was the same exact play as the Jesse James one. So they in the Steelers game. And that was not a he, touchdown. Well, he wasn't I don't know if he was a runner. In the in the it's the, it's the it was almost identical. Like he took two it, steps, I, he reached out. Oh yeah, it's really close. I, did he take the two steps or did he only take the one step? I thought he took the two. I thought he had established himself as a runner enough. I thought they both did. I thought Jesse James should have been a touchdown. Absolutely. Well, here's the other thing. When he when the ball came loose in the end zone, it came back down into his hands and never touched the ground. Right. Ertz. Ertz. Yes. James. Yeah, Jesse is, James, James actually is, lost the ball. Right, but but you're going on the premise of he had control of the ball. He is a runner, and he breaks the plane of the goal line. If, so he's right. If he's right, no if different he than a running back in that in that scenario. Right. What I'm saying is if they had if they had deemed that Ertz was not a runner right. and the plane of the it didn't it didn't matter, the end result is that the ball wound up in his arms without touching the ground. Right. Right, 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 right. They yeah, it could have not been just he controlled the ball on the ground. He did. Right. And Jesse he never lost control of the ball. Lost the ball. Right. That's right. Um I, I just thought it was a – listen, the Patriots don't – Simmons said this too. We entertain you mother efforts for four hours every year. <laughs> you know, like they don't know how to play a bad Super Bowl. They really don't. That's the, you know, and I was thinking that as I was watching it because we, you know, we moan and groan about the Patriots being in it all the time and it's eight out of yep. 15 years or whatever it is, but every single time they're in it, it's every an amazing one of game. These games, yep, every one of these games has been one for the ages because they are they are so – they are only Brady better than everybody else. They really are. Like, you know, they, they've had good defenses with Brewski and, you know, uh, Teddy Brewski back in the day. And, and, you know, those first couple of defenses that he brought were good defenses. But they haven't had a good defense in one of these games in a long time. You know, you've had rotating backs and stuff like that. Like, the, consi- the constant that makes them better than everybody else is Brady. It's just Brady. You know, it, they and don't Belichick. get... Well, absolutely. No, no, no. Absolutely. But I'm saying on the, players on the, the field. Two. On the right. field, yeah. And the players on the field, like, they're only better than 
all of the, the, the margin between all these teams, talent-wise, is Brady. I just, I just wish they were a team in the NFC South. I feel like we would, appre- we would appreciate them so much more. Absolutely. If they hadn't been beating the crap out of the Jets for 18 years, of course. You know, How about if they were in the NFC East? I'd be rooting for them every year. That's yeah, true. I mean, they, they just they, they, they are in the AFC East. We've had to play Tom Brady 36 times. They remind me a little bit of the 80s 49ers. A little bit. They're better, I think. That team was likable, though. They're not likable. Uh, but, I, but I started to get tired of them. But Bill Walsh was likable. Joe Montana was likable. Nobody started... likes the Patriots except Patriot fans, literally. At, well, I, well mm, this year, I found it coming back around a little bit. I found more people okay. like the Patriots this year than in years past for a number of different reasons. But they're not a national team, though, Cal. They're not. The Patriots? In other words, you have Dallas Cowboys fans everywhere, right? You have 49ers fans because of the 80s teams everywhere. Yeah. Well, you know what? You don't don't have have 25-year-old Patriot fans that didn't grow up in Massachusetts living in Minnesota. Right. Well, I would argue that you're never going to get that dynamic again. Because those national fans were, were built out of the 70s and 80s when you used to watch them once a week or they were in the Super Bowl every year. Steelers no, fans, I, I, Raiders fans, 49ers fans, Cowboys fans, they're, all, they're national teams. And the Patriots came around after that era. So they will be a local team, right? I, I feel like that they're still – like there are Pittsburgh fans – there are Steeler fans growing in California. It depends on where your parents are, I guess. I don't think. It, I don't think that there's a. There, I don't think the Patriots. I think they're so regionalized because they've been so good, but so evil as they're doing it. Yeah. So kind of unlikable as they're doing it. Yes. That, That's a good point. You know. The kid in Minnesota who wants to root for the Patriots, his mom or dad's going to be like, no, negative. Negatory, good buddy. Negative. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're going to, whereas in the 80s or 90s, you know, look at the Cowboys, like in the 90s, right? Like the kid in, in, in Las Vegas is going to, uh, or in Nevada or whatever, which is where Las Vegas is, um, is going to root for the, for the, the Cowboys because of Trey Aikman and stuff. And his dad and mom is like, okay, you know, they're, they're, they're an awesome team. When I was growing up, I had a 49ers jersey. I'm aware. I was there. I, ha- I had a Cowboys jersey type thing. Yep. Um, I had a Steelers. I had an L.C. Greenwood Steelers t-shirt. Oh, boy. I don't, my uncle used to give me all kinds of wacky things like that. <laughs> I, he gave me That's a Michael great. Jordan jersey one time. Like, I'm never going to wear a basketball jersey, but... Right. And I'm especially, if I am, it's going to be a next one. I don't know what you're doing. But in the 80s, like, I I became a Dolphins fan in the 80s. I'm aware. This is is on your application for uh, the show. It was on your resume. It's in your your curriculum vitae. I'm very open about it. But the point is, like, during those times, 
you were able to, you kind of like, you had your team locally, but if there was a great team nationally that was likable, to your point, you, yep. you, you jump on their bandwagon. And the Patriots yep. came around after that era and were not likable, like you said. Yeah. There's, there's not kids. I mean, I'm sure there's kids wearing Brady jerseys and stuff like that. I'm sure it's very popular. I just, uh, you're absolutely right. That point about if they were in the NFC South, we would forget about it. You would totally respect them. Because yeah. they've given you eight. They're like in Gladiator. Like, what? Are you not entertained? They've given you eight unbelievable Super Bowls. And now you love to see them lose. Like, it's so great when they lost. It was. You know? So, anyway, let's, uh, let's put a button on the Super Bowl. But I want to ask you, because we haven't talked about this at all, the McDaniel stuff. Yeah. My favorite, can I just give you my, because I'm still laughing about it. Can I give you my favorite quote about McDaniel? So you saw the quote from Belichick, like what Belichick said about McDaniel, right? Like them retaining him and I wish I got to find that quote. But um, uh, what do you call it? He, He said something so flowery or something about about McDaniels opening his world to him and he's going to show how everything works. And I'm going to hear this. Belichick Belichick reportedly will mentor Josh McDaniels with the Patriots. I'm going to open my world to you. (laughs) Willy Wonka. That was it. That was the quote. It was, it was, your imagination like just having Belichick you lose you get nothing you go and coach the Colts good day sir it's all right here in this photostatic copy that you signed to coach the Colts and then McDaniel saying you know just putting the uh, everlasting gobstopper on Belichick's desk (laughs) out of all the deeds one good deed Sean I'm getting the quote wrong. And then all of a sudden, they're in the glass elevator in, yeah. in, in Foxborough. He lived happily ever after. And that's it. He, he, gave, he just gave him the keys to the chocolate factory. He just mussed his hair, and there they go. Yeah. I picture uh, Dante Scarnecchia is like uh, Grandpa oh, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> McDaniel, riding up the 72-year-old Dante Scarnecchia, riding up the glass oh. elevator with, with uh, Josh McDaniel. You're a fraud. <laughs> You're a fraud, Belichick. It's hysterical. But, you know, it's funny. uh, Charlie Bucket was much more likable than Josh McDaniel is. Charlie Bucket, far more likable. I I love what the Colts said, too. Like, it's like, game on, jerks. Yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, it's... Like, they're not not innocent in it either. Like, when you think of the history between the Colts and the Patriots, they, you know, the Colts certainly played their part, but... Yeah. Um, well, but uh, it's not. It can't be payback for for Deflate Gate or whatever. Like this has just got to be Belichick after they lose the Super Bowl. Kraft going to Belichick and saying we can't lose this guy. They just put up five hundred, you know, six hundred yards in the Super Bowl, and you're not going to be here forever. And we just traded Garoppolo, who's going to re- was going to replace Brady. And you, you better keep this guy around. He's you better name an heir apparent because I'm not doing this. And I think that's exactly what happened. I think Kraft went to McDaniel and said, 
I've talked to Belichick. We're going to make you the heir apparent. This is it. You're getting this job in a year or two, period. And Belichick's been through it. He's been through it with Parcells. Parcells did it to him twice. Right, but Belichick didn't want the job the second time. Belichick Belichick would have wanted the job if they had ownership there. Well, the problem was the ownership. The problem was not that he didn't want the Jets job. The problem was that they didn't have an owner. If Hess hadn't, literally, if Leon Hess hadn't died, he would have been coach of the Jets without a doubt. So you, you don't think that following Parcells had anything to do with it? Zero. I don't. Nope. Zero. No, I think it was. I think it was going to be what the Giants were supposed to be, which was well, that, him well, taking over the reins from Parcells. Right, but Parcells screwed him at the Giants because he went and quit three months after he took the Browns job. And, and this was going to be the rectification of that. They got back together with the Jets. Parcells was going to do his time there, retire. Belichick was going to take over. And it was, it was exactly how it was supposed to go with the Giants. He was making good on it. I think Parcells was making good on it. I don't think Belichick necessarily wanted to follow him I again. Think, I think if Hess hadn't died, I think, he wouldn't, I think he wouldn't have left. I think it was the fact that it was Woody Johnson and James Dolan who yeah. were up to own the team, and he didn't like either one of them. And guess what? He was right. Because Woody Johnson is a terrible owner, and James Dolan would have been a worse owner, if that's possible. He was right. I, I think if Leon Hess doesn't die, we're, again, this is why it was so hard for a Jet fan to watch. Like, we're a day away from Dom Capers. Leon Hess hangs around until he's like 94 years old. One more year. One more year. That's all you had to do. Just live for one more year. <laughs> it's a hockey season. I will not go home. I will not disgrace myself or the core so I can go home in six months. It's a hockey season. Speaking of hockey seasons, oh, God. So are we good with, uh, are we good with the Super Bowl? We're good with the Super Bowl. I, I do want to just – Jets and Giants. Can we just send them – did you love the commercial? How much did you love the commercial, the Giants Loved commercial? It. Well, you know, it, it, and it totally fascinated me too, the way they played it out with the first two. Like, what the heck is he doing? Would, I never, never in a million years would have seen that coming. Yet, Odell Beckham still unlikable to me. Very unlikable. I don't understand it. That was, that was clearly designed to rehabilitate his image – Yep. And it didn't work for me. I don't know why. Eli, everything uh, focuses on Eli and the whole thing. Because we're Jets fans. So. If we're Giants fans, you, like I mean, would have ate it up with a... probably loved it. Oh, forget it. Right? They're, they're, they're planning the parade. They're, they're, they're planning the parade again. I think that team actually could turn it around quickly if they make the right moves. But um, I uh, now we just have to mention one more thing with Cousins. We'll have plenty of time to talk about Cousins and the Jets and stuff like that. I had a very interesting conversation with somebody about where they would, where he would go. What is you know Broncos most likely destination? Blah blah blah. What can the Jets offer? Is it about money? Because they Jets and I said the Browns could be like a wild card in here. You know uh, Simmons has said that as well. I got completely shut down on that by a buddy of mine. He's like, why would he ever go to the Browns? I'm like, well, the Browns have Josh Gordon. They have, you know, uh, Corey Coleman. They have a good tight end in Naduku. Like, wait, Saduku? Who's the, who's the kid from, uh, was it Michigan? The wide, or uh, from Miami, the tight end? I know I'm saying his name wrong. Is it, it's, it's like not Saduku. Or... Yeah. 
but they they have you know they have a good running back. They you know they they their offensive line is not great, but they have like what nine picks in the first seventy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of room for improvement. Why isn't that a team he would look? And they can pay him max dollars. Why isn't that a team he would look at? You know, well, I mean, imagine he turns around the Browns. He, forget about it. Write your ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Jimmy Garoppolo got an awful lot of money game. today. Yeah. yeah. Like, how much is, is he going to get now? How much does Cousins get? Cousins is going to get a lot. I mean, Garoppolo got, what, $74 million guaranteed? Five years, $137 million, uh, $74 million guaranteed. That's so basically, crazy. he got the first three years of the contract guaranteed. Right. And he's That's played six insane. NFL games. Seven. Seven. Six for the six for the. I think it was five for the Niners and two for the Patriots. Five and Patriots. Two. Whatever, whatever it was. And you know what? I would have paid it. I absolutely would have paid that for the Jets. I would. I would have <laughs> absolutely paid it. I would have topped it. I would have. Uh, what do you want? It. Blank check. Right, like there's a smudge on this check. I said a blank check. Bring this. Check. Get him a new check. Get Garoppolo a new check. Who smudged? And a glass of water. <laughs> and a quill pen. I want a quill pen, like an old school quill pen. And yeah. maybe the owner's blood. I would have topped it. I would have topped it by far and away. So now Cousins gets 150 million. Cousins. Why did gonna, my voice I, go up, Jay Leno style? Because you can't. You can't you can't believe can't how much money Cousins is going to get. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy. He's going to get a lot. Who's going to pay him? Million. Don't give him that, Cal, please. Why not? It's just too much money for the – we did this last week. He's the 12th best quarterback in football. It's just too much. I know they have it. That doesn't mean that they have to spend it. Well – it, it does, kind of. $30 million? Dollars? I, I mean, uh, uh, what is that, like a fourth of your salary cap on one guy or a fifth of your salary cap on one guy? Come on. Who's not your an elite quarterback who's 30 years old? What's your alternative? Well, we'll get Draft. into it. Let's... Draft. Yeah. Trade a we'll second see. for Nick Foles, my friend. Would you trade a second for Nick Foles? I would. Today I would. Last Especially week considering I have. they have two. See, last week I would have. That's the difference. Last, I know. You, you were steadfast, and your faith was justly rewarded with that performance. <laughs> I just think he's a very good quarterback. I think he's – think he's, look, if I have to run a system for both guys, right, I have to run – I have to have certain things surrounding Kirk Cousins to win. I have to have an offensive coordinator in place that's going to run his – system and I have to you know and I have to do the same thing for Nick Foles to me Nick Foles is a better quarterback like Nick Foles is better on the eye test to me he is yeah no it's I would agree you know I uh, there was another stat that Joe Cap just posted Joe Cap these are stats that we talked about this a little bit last week Cal I'm falling out of love with statistics, it's wild. Like how much less and less I'm relying on them for everything except baseball. Like the advanced metrics are still speaking to me in baseball. It's still a nice combo of eye test and advanced metrics. Whereas in, in hockey, it's infuriating me. 
And in football, basic stats just infuriate me. Like, they're starting to really bother me. Uh-huh. Like Cousins, like three, 4,000-yard seasons. So what? I could throw for 4,000 yards right now. That there's no offense, you know, there's no pass interference, or there's pass interference on every play. Everything is yak. Everything is designed for the quarterback to throw the ball 10 yards and get 50 yards after the catch. That's the entire NFL. You think Tom Brady's thrown for 500 yards in a Super Bowl 15 years ago? There's no chance. There's no chance. Well, he was, he was in a Super Bowl 15 years ago, and he didn't throw for 500 yards. Exactly. So. That's exactly right, because of the way the NFL has changed and the way their offense has changed. Yeah. But there's a stat. I don't put a lot of weight usually in wins and losses with quarterbacks. It's kind of like wins and losses with a pitcher. You know, there's like so much in and out of your control. Mm-hmm. But he's 4-19 against teams with nine wins or more in his career. That says something. He does not play well against teams that are good. And Joe Cap posted this. He's 1-4 with... Two touchdowns and seven interceptions in five games at MetLife Stadium. Well, that's luckily important. they play eight games at MetLife Stadium. Right? That's important. It is because important. Of, because of MetLife Stadium. Because of the wins there, and it's, a, it's, it's proven to be a difficult place for quarterbacks to play. And he's not going up against the 86 Giants defense either. That's important. That's an important stat to me. The guy's got to play well in that stadium. He's got to. All right. So here's the deal. I think they're going to go after him hard. Yes, the only, as do I. The, the only thing we have to hope is that McCagnan has a contingency plan. I hope all of his eggs aren't in the Cousins basket and then has to scramble when Cousins goes and signs with Denver. And it's like, uh oh, now what do we do? Because this is what we were going to do. I hope he's got a plan. And he's, he's hopping around like the Easter Bunny right now. McCagnan? Like the Easter Bunny. Like the Easter Bunny. And he's got every egg in that basket as a picture of Kirk Cousins. Remember, like the paws? Like the, you could put like a decal on them? Yeah. They're, all the decals are Kirk Cousin faces. Is he wearing it's the, the same. Is he wearing the suit from the a Christmas story? It's a, it's the paws. Is it paws or paz? Uh, it's it's P A A S. I think it's just P A S. No, double A. Two A's. M C O. Paws. Paws is what I would go with. Paws, not Pez. Paws. It is P. I apologize. It is P A A S. Yeah. Trademark. But how is it pronounced? I would go with pause. Okay. So he's. By the way, their Wikipedia page is magnificent. So all of his he would, uh, are in the cousin's basket then. Oh, he's hopping around wearing wearing Ralphie's bunny suit, and they all have the little Kirk Cousins decal on every egg. Oh, he has no plans. He doesn't even know what town he's in. We'll see. I don't. And yet, as I said, to, I was talking about this with Scott today, my brother. A rare Jets conversation, because usually it's reserved for Islanders. And, um, and yet, if they, if they do sign him, and they go all in for him, and they sign him, I get it. 
I get it. I do you get can't it. Hate, you can't hate it if you they do. You can't hate it. No. It adds legitimacy to the position. It, ex- right. it expedites the rebuild. Um, you have a legitimate quarterback there. He's a, definitely a legitimate top 10 starter in the league. You know, you... Um, Is he, though? Uh, we did this already. We did this. We, we had him at 11. Like 12, I think, but... I, 11 or 12. Still, there's 30 teams. He's a top 12 quarterback in the league. You can say, argue, yeah, arguably top 10. Right, sure but it means they don't have to develop a quarterback. They have a proven right. commodity. And they keep their the draft position. picks. And they keep their draft picks. You know, they have three in the first two rounds. They can, you know, they, they still will have $70 million of cap space. Even, even if they give them $30 the million. Yeah. Right. Right. So you, you can't get mad at it. I want a kid. I know. Well, I, mean, I, I, I have to, but I, 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 <laughs> I want them to develop a, a kid. I want to, I want to buy. It's, it's important. We didn't talk about my Super Bowl experience watching it with two uh, avowed Eagles fans, my seven-year-old and my four-year-old. Diehard Eagles fans in the house? Oh, my God. That's the first full football game that Wesley's ever watched. Watched the whole thing, huh? Whole game. Jumping up and down when they won. 10.45 at night. By the way, the parents of the on. year. Just letting them. The Eagles shirt on. Not the, Eagles, not the Eagles hat, but an actual eagle on an, his An actual eagle. That's correct. That he made it school. Not, yes. Not an actual eagle. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be illegal. And very dangerous. <laughs> he made a paper eagle. Right. Um, first full game he's ever watched. So I'm watching this game with two rabid Eagles fans. <laughs> Casey, you know, the four-year-old crapped out. He crapped out like after halftime. Like he just didn't have it in him. Was it Timberlake knocked him out? <laughs> Timberlake put him right to sleep. He's exhausted. Wesley, I mean, just fired up. Bouncing on the couch, jumping up and down on the couch. They're going to win. And again, me explaining, don't, don't do that. Um, and I, I, look, the Jets have to do something. Well, I, to, I think they're save, going to do something. To save me here. No, they have to do something at the quarterback oh, for position. For you. Yes. For you. Okay. Yes, we're yeah. talking about me. And my children. Right. My cousin Michelle keeps sending me texts when we were talking about this with uh, thoughts and prayers because she listened to the podcast last week. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I see what's going on. Thoughts and prayers for your situation over there with the Eagles and the Jets. Thoughts and prayers. Um, they need to draft a quarterback, Cal. I need like that quarter. I need the jersey. I know. Listen, want- the Carson Wentz jerseys at their schools were the gateway drug. They were the gateway drug. Because all the kids had Carson Wentz jerseys. It wasn't just that they had Eagles jerseys. Carson Wentz, the young stud quarterback. I need to buy some Baker Mayfield six jerseys, kid. Just take your old Sanchez jersey and cross out the name. How great is that going to be? I still have the the six jerseys. You put the masking tape over the name Sanchez and you hand no right tape. in Mayfield. I would never do it. No, I hate I that. that but. I hate when people do that. I hate when people do that. Masking tape on a jersey bothers me so much, I don't know why. <laughs> Drives me bananas. 
Just go buy the other jersey, guy. Just do it. Yeah. No. Do it. I have a Keller jersey. I could do the the you know number eighty one. I could put Safarian Jenkins on the back with the t- that, come you on, guy. Put that on tape. You have the handwriting <laughs> of that name on the back of that jersey. You do not. First of all, you gotta go. You gotta go painter's tape. You need like a good right. fat wide tape. Right. You can't you go masking tape. You gotta have a sharpie and you gotta have elite penmanship. I think it would be great if someone did it in script. Right. In, in cursive. In cursive. That'd be classy, right? Well, it sounds like a very aristocratic name. Safarian. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Right. Hello, sir. Sounds like a diplomat. Good day, Mr. Safarian Jenkins. I said good day. <laughs> the representative, <laughs> the Earl of Winchester, Austin Safarian Jenkins. <laughs> Baron Vaughn, Austin Safarian Jenkins. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we're good. Should we move to the Islanders for five minutes so I don't start yeah. crying? Sure. You know, I don't know if I want to. B block. Yeah. Can you Great. get like a can you get like a jail cell closing for when we switch the block? <laughs> e block. Either that or we should play Elvis. Like Jailhouse Rock or Jailhouse Rock? No, no good? No. I'm I want no. I want like a dramatic like this is the we're signifying we're moving on to the next segment. Okay. Da-dum. Should we just use the law and order? Dun 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 dun. We could. We have to pay them. So right. So the Flyers won tonight, which is great. Uh, the Devils lost tonight, and let's see, let's see if there's something else that affects the New York. Carolina? Did Carolina play tonight? Carolina was off tonight. That's good. So um, yeah. So they remain. Uh, tied with Columbus for the last spot, but Columbus has two games in hand. So, um, you know, Columbus stays in that spot. The the Flyers pulled three spots up on them with a game, uh, three points up with a game in hand. Uh, they are only four points behind the Devils, uh, who have two games in hand. And oh, and uh, I believe the give me a second. Did the, did the Sorry, Penguins. this is great radio. The Penguins. I How'd they, they do? Lost. They did not play tonight. So there's still five they points lost. behind the Penguins for second place. Five points behind the Penguins, who have 55 games as well. Listen, so let's they're, hear, they're let's hear where you are then, because they're five points out of second place. Yet you look like you want to throw your computer out the window. I'm going to Todd McShay the crap out of this segment. It's just going to be exasperated sighing galore. Humiliation well, the, floor, the floor is yours. Let's hear it. How do you feel about got, this team? I ain't got nothing to say. I, 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 I feel oh, terrible great. about Let's this move team. On to, uh... <laughs> Let's go to the Mets. I don't, I don't feel great. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. They... Let's, let's talk about on the ice. So, Dennis Seidenberg on the ice for three of the four goals tonight against the Buffalo Sabres, the second worst team in the league, who mm-hmm. average... One goal a game. Scored mm-hmm. four against the Islanders tonight. 
Um, they get down three to nothing in this game inexplicably as they are thoroughly outplaying the Sabres from Jump Street. I started watching this game with the boys. We're watching the first period. They are all over them. They have the first seven shots or eight shots of the game. Some really good chances. Liner, or Leonard makes some great saves. The first shot that Halak faces in the game, nine minutes in, they're doing they're blocking shots. They're forcing everybody outside. Possession in the off, offensive zone. No zone time for the Sabres. Jack Eichel skates in. Dennis Seidenberg decides, go right ahead, monsieur. <laughs> he comes in from a ridiculous angle, takes a shot that Casey would make a shoulder save on. And Halak lets it in. First save of the game, first shot of the game. And I say, oh, it's, it's going to be one of these. Then they're still outplaying them thoroughly. About six minutes left to go in the first period. The Sabres dump one in. It comes off the boards, funky, on, the, on, the, on Halak's right side. He lays down. He doesn't go to his post, right, and doesn't sure up to the pole. He lays down inexplicably. We use that word a lot for this game. And the, uh, nobody boxes out the, the Sabre. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. Racing down the ice. And he just taps it in for a goal. Just taps it behind him. Two nothing. First period. They have four shots in the first period. They're winning two nothing. And they came out in the second period. You could tell, and this is on them totally. You could tell to a man they were deflated. Took them ten minutes in the second period to start playing. It's on them entirely. Entirely on them. I'm, it's it's effort. It's your favorite word. It's effort. It, it, it was they were so deflated by how badly Halak played. Really, were they, they were they deflated by how badly Seidenberg played too, or no? They gave him know. a pass. I, I guess. don't know. I don't. It's know. All on probably Halak ruined their night. They allowed he, Halak to ruin their night. They did. They absolutely okay. did. Well, is that an weak-minded? It's a weak-minded group. We've known this for years. They're a weak-minded group. And they hang their head when the goaltender doesn't pick them up. Where's the coach in this? I don't know. Listen, you can tell them to you're blue in the face. If the players don't listen, they don't listen. I mean, where's the coach in this? The coach is in there telling them, get off your ass. You're losing 2 nothing to the worst team in the hockey. They're not listening to it. Wasn't, it wasn't the system. They gave up four shots. It's not the system. They, and Ross Johnston, like the third best player on the ice tonight. He was, why this guy is not playing, and Alan Klein is, is beyond me. You have a guy who's Matt Martin. No, I'm saying he's... Well, it's just funny because when when they brought him up, everybody was destroying Ross Johnston. Everybody was screaming, yeah, well, because they, they didn't bring up Hosang. And then once you saw this guy play, you understand what he is. He's a fourth-line player in the mold of Matt Martin. He does all the same things that Matt Martin does. He's at the scores, too. And he scored a goal tonight, and it was a goal-scorer's goal. It was fantastic. Got the puck on his stick, tough move, in tight, and he pushed it right over Liner's right shoulder, his uh, left shoulder. It was a fantastic goal. 
He does everything that Matt Martin does on that fourth line, everything that Jason Chimera is not doing. So, in a nutshell, they come back with three goals. They do a good job of picking their heads up 10 minutes into the second. They give up another power play goal. But, so they get down 3 nothing. Then they pick their heads back up. And the next 30 minutes, they thoroughly outplay them again. And they get three goals and tie it. And they get the game-tying goal with about four and a half left on the power play. Huge goal by Anders Lee. Clutch goal, 3-3. Okay, good. We're going to get at least a point out of this. We have all the momentum. We get it to overtime. 48 seconds or so later, they give up another freaking ridiculously terrible goal. And who's on the ice? And who's manning it in the slot or in front of the net that scores the goal? Dennis Seidenberg. I can't. I can't. I'm turning into Sally Field. I can't. I can't. I can't. I won't. I won't. I won't. It's, 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 I can't. I'm just, oh, this is, this is, I got to tell you something. Can I just tell you something? I got myself a new, a new Mets mug today. Oh, look at that. So I ordered Casey a, um, uh, a Jacob deGrom t-shirt. They had a sale on MLB.com. Uh, for the Mets, it was like 30% off shipping or whatever. And I'm like, I got to get some Mets, some Jets. I got to get some gear in here for these kids now and get them right off the Eagles. So I got him a little DeGrom t-shirt. Very nice. He like really wanted one. Casey gets like a lot of hand-me-downs, you know, like he never kind of gets his own stuff. Yeah. I got him his own DeGrom sweet Mets t-shirt. He loved it. And I, I picked up a mug to get myself over the, the $20 to get the 30% off. First use, first use, there's a crack inside. That tells you all about the season. That's how it's going to go. Oh, there it is, only the Mets. The whole friggin' mug is cracked. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, boy. Well, that's why you got it for 30% off. I cannot believe this. The whole mug is cracked. Son of a, you got to be, I'm sending it back. Hey, that's the the Wilpons for you. They send out cracked mugs to save some money. Madoff. Yep, that's a Madoff mug. That's what I got. You got a Madoff mug. I got a Madoff mug. <laughs> I'm going to call it the Wilpon. Look at this, you son of a... Uh, yeah. um, so anyway, that's where I am with the Islanders. They're going to miss the playoffs by two points, and they're going to look back at this as one of those games where you can't beat the second worst team in the NHL, and Tavares was great tonight. He played his ass off. You know, guys were, you know, playing hard. They just, if the goalie lets them down, they put their head down. You can't even, like, blame the goalie, the goals on the system. They're just terrible freaking goals. So Halak, who's been great for the last, like, five or six games, facing 50 friggin' shots a night, has one off night, and they can't pick him up? I, I they did pick him up. And then the coach after the game says we should have won. Should have won. We should have won this game. Well, well you should have. They should have. But you didn't. You didn't. You keep losing games like this, and you're not going to make the playoffs, period. What was his alternative on defense tonight, if not for Seidenberg? Garth Snow did not give him one. Didn't give him one. 
He had none. He, he had, had to none. play him. He had to play those six guys. Right. Right. I, I, part I, of the problem. It doesn't come back to snow. Absolutely. And the one defenseman that was their next call-up got hurt playing in a day game. Yeah, yesterday. After they found out that Mayfield is going to be out for four weeks. Why is he in the game? Who plays a Wednesday afternoon game? They do that a lot in the AHL. Yeah. They do stuff like that, yeah. Strange. They'll maybe bring kids out or something like that, or it'll be like a, you know, like a kid's day, um, you know, for the local schools and stuff like that, and they'll give the tickets away. Okay. You know, but they, they, they will do that in the AHL, yeah. But anyway, look, I think the most frustrating thing about this team for me right now, besides snow, snow needs you know, I'm not breaking ground here. I, I think he needs to be fired. You and I disagree. You know, his comments yesterday that it's 100% injuries are the arrogance of a guy who doesn't think he's going to lose his job. You know, who thinks he's got job security. Now, you and I disagree. Scott, uh, I had the conversation with Scott today. Scott, the Islander fan, my brother. Who's a good, sensible Islanders fan. Scott agrees with me. If they miss the playoffs and they lose JT, he's fired no matter what's left on his contract. You know, Snow will be fired. I tend to think that as well. If they make the playoffs and lose JT, not sure he's fired. I think that's the only situation he's fired in, but I think it's an absolute. What if they miss the playoffs and they sign Tavares? Then he's not fired. Right. He's not fired. He will have locked up Tavares, right, who Ledecky views as the franchise, right? So... But they're in real danger of those two things happening. They're in real danger of missing the playoffs and Tavares not signing back. And I just – the deadline is in like still like two and a half weeks. I mean they could be ten points out by then. They won't be. They won't be, but they could be. They could I be, but the they deadline. won't be. The deadline's too late. The deadline's too late. That's earlier than it was before, but I understand. It gives you you only have like twenty games after the deadline. There's gonna be like twenty games left. Like I, I you know, Snow said, Snow said, I'm not gonna trade a first round pick for a rental. Everybody destroyed him. Is he wrong? Uh, yeah, he's wrong. So you would give up a first round pick for a guy for twenty games? I would. Because if he's a difference maker and he's going to get you into the playoffs and anything can happen in the playoffs, you give yourself a shot. And they've got two first-round picks next year. So that's why I would give up one. Yeah. No, that's fair. What you're saying is fair. What I'm saying is you better be damn sure it's a difference maker. You you wouldn't do it if it wasn't a difference maker. Right, but you're gonna you're not just gonna give up a first round pick and get platonic, you know? Like you're you're gonna have to give up a first, a second, a second next year. You know what I mean? Like it's a seller's market. Yeah. You're not just giving up a first, you know. And if you're only getting 20 games out of a guy who's maybe like a pending free agent, you better it better be, you know, friggin' Carey Price. Yeah, but you, you know, know what? It better if... be or it better be OEL. Like it better be, you know, Ackman Larson. Like. Y- if I'm giving up that much real estate, I think that's what he was saying. I'm not trying to exonerate Snow. But I'm saying uh, – Scott brought up a great point today. I want to hear what you think of this. 
because we were talking about Bada's article, Chris Bada's article on, on Islanders Point Blank, where, as you completely rightfully said, if he just takes the high ground, he's writing for the Atlantic, not Islanders Point Blank, because he's right. I mean, uh, the Athletic. <laughs> not the Atlantic. He's not writing politics. But he's writing for the Athletic, but he can't take the high ground. And that's why you, you well, have been too, using, Because you know, it's too personal for him. It is. It is. Everything is an axe to grind. And it's juicy to read, you know? It's like, it's like reading the National Enquirer. He's a blogger. He's, he's, he's not a journalist anymore. He's not. Well, he was never a journalist, but yeah, you're yeah. right. But leave that, leave that crap to Larry Brooks. Like, try to write above the line. You yeah. know, Larry Brooks can get away with writing that article. You can't. Unless you're just happy writing for Islanders Point Blank, which is fine. But Scott's point was, Garth, in, in the article, Bada talks about how all these teams have leapfrogged the Islanders in their rebuilds right. by, by making small moves. It doesn't have to be the big move. And that's all Snow does. Like, all he's ever done, it's either the huge move or like the like there's he doesn't incrementally in, improve the roster, you know what I mean? Like he he got Everly and then that's it. He didn't do anything. Everly was a very big trade. He didn't do anything. There are three or four other little moves you could have made. Get somebody who's better than Seidenberg to be your you know seventh defenseman. Get somebody who's better than you know Alan Quine to be your fifth forward. You know like or your fifth center like. There's small incremental moves that you could have made. He never does it. It's either the huge move or the deadline move for Tyler Kennedy. That's all you get. Otherwise, it's the draft. That's it. That's it. It's my guys. He doesn't know how to build a team. It's got to be a combination of those things. You've got to make little moves to like pick up, oh, that guy's a really good defensive third-line center. You know what I mean? Like he did a couple years ago with Grabowski and Kuhlman. Those guys weren't first line players, second line forwards. Well, that was but but so that was the year that he made all of the moves. He signed Kuhlman, he signed Grabowski, he traded for Boychuk, he traded for Letty, he brought Correct. in Halak. And look what happened when they, he did that. They made right. the playoffs. That was four years ago. He doesn't do that. He doesn't right, but do my, it. But that's the point: is that if he were to do that, the, it's proven to be successful. Yep, we wouldn't be here right now. You'd have a better team, and, and you'd have a competitive team, and you wouldn't be blaming it 100% on injuries. Ugh. Who does that? The worst. Sandy Alderson. What? Have you? No. <laughs> he never came out. He at, least, he at least talked around it. I've never heard a general manager come out and quote, say, it's 100% on injuries. Yeah, Alderson always talks around it. I mean, he says it, but he does. He never said it's one hundred percent. I mean, like, <laughs> there's one thing that you can say about Garth Snow, and he does not give a flying f about anything. No, he gives no f's, none given. Nope. And so, he, and he, like, he just, he's like not even pushing in all his chips. Like he's got, like, he brings out like a bulldozer, like a, or like a front loader. <laughs> Yeah, he just dumps it <laughs> on the table. He's sitting behind a front loader like, I'm not even pushing my chips. I'm dumping them on you. I'm like, Rrr. Yeah, like on the person, too. The person just sitting there. He's That's right. Backs up the, the truck. and He's got the Mac hat on. Like, it just, like, yeah. He's like, Rrr. You like that? <laughs> There's more of that came from. 
100%. Absolutely, 100%. It's injuries. I built a perfect team. We alluded to it a couple weeks ago, and, you know, what are we supposed to do? We're getting killed with these injuries. You know, like, sort of talking around it, and and you don't like to hear that either because it's sort of an excuse. And then he walked it back. He walked it back. In his, in his defense, he walked it back. Yeah. It's not... He did. He walked it back. He walked it back and oh, said, you know what? You walked it back. I got it. We're not going to, we're not going to use injuries. We can't use injuries as an excuse. We can't. Right. You know, I was, I was in danger of doing that. Like, you know, he said that. Yeah. I'm not going to let these guys feel bad for themselves or feel sorry for themselves. What we have in the room is what we have in the room. Right. We can't use injuries as an excuse. Cut to the general manager two days later. Right. It's 100% the reason why we're in the position we're in <laughs> smash cut to the manager. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Garth, you're not leaving any room for interpretation. There is none. It's 100%. There is none. It's you can't science. get higher than the number 100. <laughs> and I'm using that number. It's science, baby. <laughs> so here's my thing on Garth Snow. I just want to say this once because I, I feel like All this right, is the sir. perfect, this is the perfect example of the Garth Snow situation. So last summer, he trades Travis Hamannick. They've got a, 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 you know, you ever, you ever get tied up in your head when you're trying to say a word? Yeah. And then you don't know what, you know the word, you just can't get it out. Sure. Tongue tied and twisted. Just an earthbound misfit. Abundance. That's it. That's it. They have an abundance of defensemen. They've got a lot of defensemen. They can afford to get rid of them. They want to trade Hamannick. That's fine, right? You want to trade Hamannick. You get you – know, everybody questioned at the time, but they got a good return for Hamannick. They got yeah, assets. They saved money. They, they gave themselves an opportunity. <laughs> they gave themselves an opportunity to improve their team. They, went, yeah. they used a position of strength to gain assets to improve in other areas. And they did this in July. Correct. And we waited, we waited all of July and we waited all of August. And now it's training camp. And he did not use a single asset to improve the team. He did nothing. Yep. He literally did nothing where you would have thought he maybe took the summer off. And you probably yep. wouldn't have been wrong. He did nothing. You're disappointed about that. But then you think, all right, well, he's got another chance at the trading deadline because he still has these assets. And if Fine. I didn't agree with it then, but let's see how the season plays out, and let's see where he is in February. He still has this opportunity to improve the team because he's got all these assets, right? Right. Now, now it's February. Here we are. It's February 8th, and he's got the assets, and he comes right out, leaves no room for interpretation. I'm not trading him. I'm not trading him. <laughs> Nothing. I'm not doing it. Right? Yep. Okay, so now here's the next thing. He could be bluffing. Chances are he's not, because I don't think he bluffs. <laughs> this is Ever. the old three-dimensional poker thing, right? Or, I mean, uh, three-dimensional chess, right? Like, he's, he's right. not playing three-dimensional chess. He's playing checkers. He be, like, if, <laughs> if, you, if, if you want to give Garth Snow one final benefit of the doubt, could be bluffing and maybe he does make a trade in two weeks and improves the team by using some of these assets that he acquired for Hamannick. Chances are he's not going to. And if they then miss the playoffs and, or 
lose to Varus, and he made that trade last July and held on to those assets and is left there holding the bag, he deserves to lose his job. And you, I can't think of a better example of malpractice out of a general manager than that specific example that we've watched for the last nine months. Yeah. Yep. It's deliberate negligence. Yeah. It really is. It really would be. It would be, it would be complete malpractice. Now, here's my last question to you on this. Let's say he does make a trade. Now, you, you, you sounded like you were, you sort of understood his stance about trading a first-round pick for a rental, right? Is it really worth it for 20 yeah. games? Or, or saying, it, what, saying it better be worth it. It better be worth it. Okay. Let's say he does make that trade. For whoever, whoever you want to want to bring in, and you trade a first Let's round. Let's say Ekman Larson. Let's just say Ekman Larson. He's a great example. He's going to be on the trade block. He's going to cost you a first and a second and a prospect. Let's say him. Right, first, second, Hosang. Yeah, Ekman Larson. Okay, correct. He makes he makes that trade. They don't make the playoffs. Right. Do you think that just that effort that he made to try to make the playoffs? will sit well with Tavares and he'll think, all right, and then make the playoffs. But this guy is serious about trying to improve this team. Yes. Conversely, if he does not make that trade, do you think Tavares looks at him and says, what are you doing? We have an opportunity to improve the team. You're not. How can I trust that you're going to do this for the next eight years of my life? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Which makes it an even bigger no brainer that, this is the biggest trade deadline, and we say this every friggin' year with him, but this is, this is the most important trade deadline of his tenure as Islanders GM because the star player is watching. And you know what? You've said this all along. You've said this for, for at least a year because we always go back and forth about what's he going to do. Is he going to make a trade? I always think he's never going to make a trade. I'm completely... Like I, I'll never, I won't believe it until I see the guy he's traded actually skating on the ice. I still won't believe it then. But that's how that's how far to that side I am. And you always hold out hope that maybe he will make a trade. And you and your big point this year was always he's general managing for his job this year. His job is on the line. He has to make a deal because he's looking to save his job. And yep. I hear his comments yesterday, and I'm thinking. He does not have to save his job. He's got all the job security in the world, and he's going to continue to do what he's been doing. Right. And I just don't think that that job security, I agree with you 100% with one caveat. That job security, <laughs> no. It, it's not 100% that, then. 99%. The 1% not is? not as much as the injuries have caused this season correct. to go south for the Islanders. The 1% is? If he misses the playoffs the and loses JT, that's right, and loses JT, he loses his job. I I think that is something that Ledecky cannot stand by, cannot abide by, because he'll have lost out on the playoffs this year, and he's got a new building to open in three years, and this guy just let the star player get away without the playoffs. Period. I. I think I that's the one thing. I think that's the that's the one percent. All right, you want to hear what I have to say about this? Yeah. 
Of course. Are you sure? You might not want to hear uh, this. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I agree. He should lose his job for that. I wouldn't be surprised if he loses his job for that. I don't believe he will lose his job in that situation. Right. You, well, you need to see it. I, I, I just do not believe. I know. That's going to happen. And I also believe that nothing is going to matter and Tavares will be back. Yeah, see, I don't, I, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I feel pretty confident that he's coming back no matter what. I don't. I did. I don't. I think he's. I think seeing the way this season is going, and seeing a lack of effort from the general manager to improve the team, and seeing that Belmont is not guaranteed. By the way. Right. Well. It has to pass all the environmental stuff and and the LIRR stuff, and it's not guaranteed. They I could mean, wind up I'm, back up to the Coliseum full time. That's 99% too. You know, that I'm starting to feel less and less like it's a given he'll sign back. I don't I, think he's going to Toronto, but I, I think he's going to have a – if they miss the playoffs again and waste a Hart Trophy season out of him, he's not going to win the Hart, but he'll be up in the discussion – you know, he got his 28th goal tonight. He's going to have, like, 90 points. Like, he's going to be in the discussion for the Hart Trophy. And you wasted another one of these seasons running Dennis Seidenberg out there and, and Alan Quine and Jason Chimera with two goals in 53 games or 55 games. And, and, you know, Tanner Fritz, and, you know, you just, at some point he's going to be like, you know, I can't, they, they're just not trying to win. This guy is obstinate to the point of, you know, he'd rather sacrifice winning just to be right or just to have his players or have his draft picks. I don't know what. I think it's, uh, you know. I, I I used to feel that way too, Cal. I do not feel that way anymore. I really don't. I think your confidence is shaken based on how they're playing. Yeah, I mean, I watch the team night in and night out, and I see – Yeah. I mean, he slammed his stick on the ice tonight. At the end of that game, he was friggin' disgusted. You very rarely see that from him at the end of a game. Now, of course, his, his quote – they capitalized more on their opportunities than we did on ours. It's just unfortunate because overall it was a pretty decent hockey game. We came back and had big goals, but just blown coverage in our own zone and it cost us. Now that's not the passionate captain who is, this is unacceptable. We're winning the frigging game tomorrow night and we're not going to have it. And I'm not going to have this anymore. He's not that kind of guy. guy. Right. But the kind of guy he was tonight, at the end of that game, slamming his stick on the ice, skating off, pissed off when they couldn't tie it when they pulled the goalie, is something you don't see. I'm watching this team night in, night out, Cal, and he's getting more and more pissed off. More and more pissed off. And if you don't change any of that, you know, I I can't see him... Thinking that the T loves Long Island, I know he wants to stay here. 
give him a reason to stay here. The general manager shows no interest in winning. Oh, my guys are out there. Injuries. We'd be we'd be in first place in the division. 100% injuries. The guy that I wouldn't give a contract to, <laughs> wouldn't give a long-term contract to, is the reason. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's not fun. Not having fun. The Islanders allowed have allowed four-plus goals in 29 games this season. Last season, they did so only 26 times. 29 games. There's 27 games to go. Mm. So that they number could up, go over 50. Half their games. Up, half their games. It's correct. Be. More than half their games. They've played 55 That's, games. Right. At this point, it's more than half their games. More than four goals. Yep. And tonight is the, is the insanity. Tonight is the they get they only gave up twenty two shots and they gave up four goals. So yeah. they broke their string. They had given up thirty plus shots in I think it was nineteen straight games or twenty two straight games. It was a franchise record. So yeah. they broke that string and they still lost the friggin' game. I can't. They find ways to lose. And guess who was on the ice when they tied it three to three with two minutes and chains left? Dennis Seidenberg, throw him out there. He had no choice tonight. But he did have a choice with two minute, two and a half minutes left, Cal. He doesn't need to be on the ice with three minutes left. Shorten your bench. That means your defense, too. Shorten your defense. The only four guys that you can trust in that point are Pellick, Letty, Pulak, and freaking Hickey. Hell, Ajo was better than him tonight. You can't play Dennis Seidenberg in that spot. Especially they not when he's to, been on the on the ice for two of the other three goals. They got a game tomorrow night though. He they can't keep they can't run their guys out and burn them out tonight if they're playing tomorrow. Right? Then call somebody up. I don't think there's anybody left to call up? Nope. Play Seidenberg on back to backs. He's thirty six years old. Be fine. When times I say this all the time, when times get tough, coaches rely on their veterans. That's their safety blanket. It's Whether not a, they're good or not. This is not a matter of, of veterans, though. This is a matter of you need you have you only have six healthy D men. Call up a seventh guy. It is a matter of veterans. When the, when there's two minutes left on the in the game and they put him out on the ice, he wants right. the veteran that's, out there. That's bad coaching. He has veterans there. He has Thomas Hickey. He has Pelic is considered a veteran now. He's got Letty. He's got no, Pulak. He, when I say veteran, I mean the guy that's been there the longest with the most experience. That's who, that's who coaches rely on. That's bad, as that's bad coaching. Blanket. Well, they all do it, though. Captain Wilder did it for years. And he's not a good coach. Right. Well, maybe Waite's not a good coach. Watch the game. Watch the game. Are you watching the game? I, 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 don't under, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I, I let's go it, back to inflexibility with coaches. Well, that's that's it, right? Watch the game, or let's look at let's look at a guy like Doug Peterson when the pressure was on, and he let his quarterback just do his thing. He didn't put he didn't put any restraints on him. You know, he didn't he didn't go conservative because he didn't want to make a mistake or lose, right? 
That's how you win. Most coaches don't operate like that. The ones that don't operate, the ones that do operate like that are generally more successful. I, I agree. But most but it's coaches... Also, it's that, that trusting the veterans thing, especially, particularly with the NHL, is such crap. Whether you think it's crap or not, they do it. I know they do, but I'm saying they're not, but it, they're not reacting to how the particular game is going. If you watch that game tonight, Dennis Seidenberg was a liability. He has yeah, no well, business being on the ice protecting a, a tie with three minutes left in the game. None. He None. paid for it. He paid for that decision. Exactly. And it cost him two points. So keep trusting your veterans. Unbelievable. The, the fact that Seidenberg's even on the team is staggering. That's the best seventh defenseman you could find? That's the best veteran seventh defenseman you could put on this team? Please, I can't. I'm done with the Islanders tonight. I can't do it. Okay. (laughs) Hey, look. Snow should be absolutely fired. Here's here's another one, staple. Islanders gave up 29 five-on-five attempts tonight. Seidenberg was on for 14 of them. Even with the back-to-back, surprised they don't cut down to four or five D once they tie it. Got to carry the desperation through the tying goal, not back to use the rotation. See? Ah, well, to the usual rotation. Ah, well, easy for me to say on the couch here. It's not easy for you to say on the couch here. Everybody's saying it. That's a rookie coaching mistake. It is. It's a neophyte coach making the mistake. And, and yet, Capuano, with 15 years' experience, Used to make it all the time too. All the time. Brian Street was out there at all inexplicable all the time. times. Yep. Right back to his usual rotation. Right back. Need the vets out there. I can't. I can't. Oh well. Well, you know what? The Olympics are starting, so. Yes. Thank. God. Maybe maybe go get yourself some curling. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> right. I, lo- I do love the curling. Hey, um, uh, next week, we won't have to talk football at all. The Islanders will be, you know. Um, oh, my gosh. Is this possible? Is this real? What? Jason Chimera, Jason Chimera this year has 67 shots in 54 games. Oh, my goodness. Wow. How old is Jason Chimera? 38. So he's got a lot of experience, right? He does, I feel like. He does. Yeah. Got to run him out there. Throw him on the ice when you're protecting a one-goal lead, everybody. Good job. how How many games did you say he was? He's played every game. He's played every game. Played every game. He hasn't been scratched once. 55 games he's played. He has not been scratched once. He has two goals and nine assists. He's minus 10. He could be actually, I think he's minus 11 because he was on tonight for one of them. And he's got 67 shots in 54 games. That's hard to do, actually. <laughs> that's, actually that's actually hard to do. Well, he's done it. The other, the other great stat that I, you know, it's not like a huge stat thing. Johnny Boychuk is minus two, I think, in like, 
I don't know, like 35 games or something like that, or 38 games. Seidenberg's minus seven in 21 games. <laughs> well, he was minus two tonight, right? He was minus three tonight, I think. All right, so. He's a disaster. He did worse uh, in one game than Boychuk's done all season. So you, th- that's exactly right. So you love the uh, the Mets. You love everything they've done, and you're fully on board with yep. the plan. Exactly. Competitive exactly. team. Exactly what I've said. Love it. <laughs> love it. We'll get into them next I'm week. Totally, I'm totally kidding. Yes, we will. We will next week. I'm. Fa- I, 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 I I have to admit, I am fascinated that you said to me today that you feel like they've put together a competitive team. And that it's, <laughs> as he turns this hat around. And it's not rely, as reliant on hopes and prayers as it was three months ago. We got a lot of time to flesh this one out. We do. Actually, pitchers and catchers in what, seven days? Next week. Yeah, a week from today, Next they'll week. be down there. Some of them are down bink, there already. Bink, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Harvey and DeGrom through, uh, through bullpens today, right? Yeah. Yep. I love you, it. The, and the greatest thing is they're going to have a spring training camp for free agents that haven't signed. Did you see that? I know. I saw that. IMG is going to run it. It's terrific. Uh, I mean, what are they going to do? They got to do something, right? It's going to be so great when the Yankees get Moustakas for one year and like 19 million, right? Yeah, like just for this year. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. If you think Moustakis is going to have a big year, then great. It's not, I mean, it's not a matter of uh, – they're, they're going to luck into Moustakis for a year on that team. Yeah. With Stanton and Judge and Sanchez and Gregorius. And, I mean, that lineup is already ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're going to add a legitimate, you know, legitimate bat to it. Like, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be silly. Well, it's silly. <sighs> I do I like Tom week will be a, Next week will be a big baseball week for us, I think. Yes. He's from Tom's River, Cal. I don't know if they mentioned that. He's a local product, Todd He's Frazier. a local product, Todd Frazier. I have no idea. Yeah. no idea. Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard, too, by the way. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're just pulling my leg. What? It's mentioned the same, the same amount, I feel like. And Brett Favre loves the game. Loves the game. He's a gunslinger. I don't know if you heard that, but loves the game. <laughs> Nobody else does. No. Just Brett Favre. <laughs> He's the only guy. <laughs> we should wrap uh, it there. That's it. We did it. Hour 55. Listen tight. Cal, final unload. Hey, how about St. John's? That's <laughs> a red storm knocking off Duke and then Villanova. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. No, it's, it's, it's exciting. They were 0-11 in the Big East, and then last night they go in and beat up the number one team <laughs> who had lost one game all season on their home court. Um, Amazing. And if you're ever going to do that in Philly... This is the time to do it because this I'm sure right. nobody even batted an eye. Right. Nobody even cared. Right. They didn't even realize the game happened. Right. Oh, that's so, funny. So, so it's exciting. I haven't watched much St. John's. I haven't, it hasn't been too much to be proud of with this team. 
But they knocked off two top five teams for the first time in 33 years. Unbelievable. Chris Mullen, the coach, was a player. It's exciting. It's great. I saw that they have like the 80th, like they're like 80th or something like in the RPI or something like that. Oh but yeah, they no, have this the, is like. But they have the two best wins of the year. <laughs> they could they could easily lose the rest of the games for the season. You wouldn't be surprised. Right. But right. We got this. But they have the two best wins of the year. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, my final unload is, um, hey Eagles. Uh, congrats. I want my kids back. That's, and I'm taking them back. It's enough. So I had to do something tonight, Cal, I'm not proud of. Oh, no. I had to tell the boys. I had to tell the boys about the rioting. I had to tell the boys about the, the telephone poles and, and the traffic lights. I had to explain to them what the word looting was. Yes, yes, my sons. Eagles fans did not act great when they won. I'm sorry to tell you. They tore their own city apart. What kind of people do that, guys? I'll tell you one thing. When New York teams win a championship, we don't tear our city apart. We love our city. We throw ticker tape parades, the likes of which no one's seen. We don't flip cars over. Wesley, how do you flip how do you flip a car over? I said, well, Wes, when fifteen Eagles fans put their mind to it. They were flipping cars, setting fires, throwing rocks through windows. Yep. I went there. They've left me no choice. Did you bring Mike Lupica in to address them? I did. Daddy, what's this what's guy doing here? <laughs> why is why is Mike Lupica in the passenger seat, Daddy? Well, he was in the area. Figured he'd like to pick you guys up from school today. That's all. Mike, he's got something to say to you. Give him a little shooting from the lip. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have on uh, Ready to Unload with Callan and Pete. Two hours, but it was wall to wall sports, you guys. Doctor Evan can't complain. Uh, we will see you guys next week. <laughs> For Brian Calvi, I'm Steve San Pietro. Enjoy your week, everybody. Bye. Good job you. I'm turning off Steely Dan as we speak. Ricky, don't lose the number. Oh, rest in peace, John Mahoney, too, by the way. Other final on those. John Mahoney, great, great character actor. Yes. The dad didn't say anything. Ricky, don't lose that number. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Night, Cal.